Alrighty. Hi, everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben here with Xerix, and this is Pirate CSG podcast number 48. We're going to talk about campaign games of Pirate CSG tonight, which are just about the best thing ever. And I think Xerix can agree. He just finished one. And uh, congratulations on yep. another Century of Economy finished. It was amazing. The... Yay! <laughs> yeah, I got the video up on my on my screen here, so I might reference some pictures. I can kind of scroll through some of them, so anybody watching the podcast video later can see it. And for anybody listening or watching, I've got links to his uh, COEC 2019 playlist in the description, as well as the Huge Game Legacy thread, which I'll be looking at soon, and Battle Reports Compendium. So this is just going to be a casual podcast chat about campaign games past and kind of present too because DWC did it end in August 2019? Uh, yes. Ended in August 2019. Yep. Right before my brothers went back to school for the fall. Yep. Makes sense. Very nice. Would you say it was mm-hmm. your favorite uh, summer game so far or no? Um, That's tricky because yep. Um, every single summer, it's something slightly different. So I don't know if this one's was uh, my favorite or not. Uh, there were things I liked about this one a lot that didn't happen in previous ones. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's the most uh, most aesthetic one so far. Because all the custom islands, I mean, you had more ships and points in play than any of the others. And I really loved how... Probably. Uh, I never uh, did point your ship counts for previous games. Yeah. Yeah. I think So, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. I think it... I mean, it looked the biggest, but I do have some recency bias, because uh, I didn't look at the other ones recently, but... Um, but yeah, it was crazy. I loved how the ocean was uh, more like a square, because a few of the past ones were a little bit more of a elongated rectangle. Um, so I yeah. like, I like this ocean shape better too, even if that was sometimes annoying, probably to reach over the table. I remember in command the ocean trying to reach towards like the North sides of the bigger oceans, all lost in Carcuda. It was, it was pretty obnoxious <laughs> trying to reach yeah. ships, um, on the far side of those oceans. Yeah. Trying to get to the middle, uh, like where the two tables met, like basically where Voyanui was that whole section, it was like a little bit awkward to get there because you had to reach across one of the two tables yeah and it was like okay be careful don't knock over the ships that are like you know on the edge yeah yeah i remember that too yeah and it's sometimes hard because if you try to brace yourself against the table it might move the table or bump it and then even that can yeah that can knock over some of the more fragile or smaller ships so yep yep I mean, uh, this one in particular, I've got a folding table for the table number two. I forget which one it was. Uh, but that one, uh, if I get the feeling that if I really leaned on the middle of it with all my weight, I would probably break it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my laptop right I mean, now. The other one is a... Yeah. Now, the other uh, table that I use is like a sturdy wooden table that, you know, I can comfortably say, okay, if I lean on this, I'm probably not going to break it. Yeah. But the other one, uh, which is just, you know, some plastic and metal, it's like, uh, try not to lean on it too much. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the laptop I'm using now for the podcast is sitting on the same 
basic square folding table I used for uh, the Caribbean Ocean of Command the Oceans and some of this year's uh, summer games. And yeah, it's kind of, if I move it a little bit, <laughs> it, it, it does wobble. So the, the, the one thing annoying about that during Command the Oceans was when I had... Um, and there's going to be, just for anyone listening, there's going to be a ton of spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't read about some of these campaign games, um, you can read yeah. about them first. There's links everywhere. Huge Game Legacy Thread especially has a lot of links, or hopefully pretty much all of them. Um, but basically, on Diamond Rock, the custom train that Rawson has made for me, I would have, the English eventually got some army units up there. So the infantry, if I bump the table uh, just hard enough, some of the oh yeah, those guys are falling. They would fall all the way off Diamond Rock into the water below. So that set them back up. So hey, you could pass it off. Random earthquake. They happen yeah. at sea. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yep. That's ah, that's another that's another crazy house rule. Everything we talk about could probably be turned into a house rule tonight. Earthquakes and tsunamis. Uh-huh. I mean, like you, Yeah, I mean, you and I play games where we put like you know fabric then on the table. So something you could do is just like you know make a giant wave by just pushing the fabric. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've thought about, um, I haven't done it yet, but I've thought about, especially with a game on a floor where the, where like a fabric sheet is the only thing separating the ships from like the floor or the rug or whatever, uh, or the carpet, I should uh-huh. say. Um, once the game is over, or if you just want to like abandon the game, you could grab the ends of the sheet and then like, not too hard, but kind of fling it up in there and have all the ships like fly everywhere just to like, wreck the setup in like a second or two <laughs> be crazy that would make me very nervous yeah yeah i know yeah you want to be worried about you know breaking some of them if i yeah. did that yeah i don't think any would break unless you had like custom islands and train that fell on top of ships but that could still happen so yeah yeah i mean some of my islands are you know they're light but they're also you know a little bit of heft behind them yeah so i'd be worried about them falling on ships yeah yeah Man, this makes me think about more house rules. I mean, it's it's kind of weird because it wouldn't it would be gamey. Um, but imagine if you had a folding uh-huh. table, you've got the legs. Maybe if you roll a certain d6 uh-huh. with a crew that can cause like earthquakes, you could like you could hit like one of the table legs, <laughs> and then that would cause like uh-huh. anything that like tips over is like capsized and sunk by like the resulting tsunami or something. Ah, <laughs> uh, clever. Yeah. Or like I've thought about because this has happened on accident for me a bunch of times when you roll a d6 and you don't have anywhere to roll it except like on the ocean where the stuff is. Oh yeah, um, and then it hits ships, of course. So that could actually be a house rule too, but that would be weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is one of those situations where I actually use the tiny dice because uh-huh. their mass is so minuscule that if it hits a ship, it probably won't tip it over. Yep, that's a good point. Also, I can fit, like, five of those things in my hand. So it's like, you know, those abilities are like, okay, roll two dice or roll three dice at once. So, oh, okay. Yep. yep. There you go. Exactly. Or if you've got the same cannon ranks all firing at the same ship at once, something like that. You can hey. Do. Broadside's attack with five dice. Yeah, yeah, like an alternate. One of them's going to hit. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I used the tiny dice in some of these games with all the ships, I would lose them because they would, they would go underneath the ship's hull in between the... Or under the deck, under between the hull plates. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing too. Yeah, that's, that's the one, risk. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like about using the little tiny straws quite as much that it, that you can use for measuring. I still like the cards, um, but anyway, I'm all, probably always going to yeah. school on that. So, 
Yeah, I'm looking at see we see the picture up right now from the YouTube that I I just haven't paused, but um, mm-hmm. it shows the portal. You've got it looks like a D8 on top of the portal, and then there's just carnage everywhere. The French and English fighting it out. Looks like the the Bonaparte had just been sunk, so that made it yeah that looks like the Bonaparte. Yeah, when she went down, that was, <laughs> that was good. That was good for me. <laughs> yeah, I, so I believe that's the dreadnought chance. up there uh, that cancels her S immunity to sink her. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Oh, that that looks like a four master uh, right next to her on the right. Yeah. I don't know what it is though. Ooh, that's a French one though. Oh, that that's a French ship, not an English one. Yeah, the hull. Okay, this is like you know the Eng- the French took revenge for the Bonaparte being sunk, so. The guy Fox is like, you know, as you can see, it's uh, tipped over, so it's been sunk. Yeah. And the Dreadnought has been um, on the business end of some cannons over there. Oh, yeah. Nice. And, yeah, that is a D8 up there. Um, That D8 was for Voyanui. Uh, So every time you would dock at the beach, you would roll the D8, and that would be the number of uh, gold stack you'd be allowed to explore. Didn't have a better place to put it other than on top of that portal because it was reasonably close to the island, and we would all remember where it was. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I remember a D8 being used for the portal rules, but now that, that explanation makes total sense. It looks cool, too, because it's like a little little pyramid peak type thing, so it's actually neat to see there. Yeah. Well, yeah the, that, way, uh, the port. That French custom or whatever has the hull of USS Kentucky, I think. So it must be a custom, I guess. Uh, I, I think. Let me go see if I can find the actual picture. Yeah. Although yeah, I doubt at, it. Yeah, I'm at 436. Four minutes thirty six seconds in the final report, and then I'll just move around to some of the others too. So, so yeah. Spoiler alert. So, so the curse yeah. won Century of Economy twenty nineteen, but in semi controversial yeah. fashion because the Spanish had <laughs> a crazy seven thousand yeah. plus gold saved up, but uh, their controller didn't maybe didn't want the Spanish to win too much. So, interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Cursed and the Spanish are both controlled by my brother, uh, who I called Ginger Ninja, I think. Um, he's the youngest one of us. Uh, I mentioned this, and I talked to him about it. He has a little bit of difficulty playing his factions against one another like that. Yeah. He usually can't help but choose one uh, to like you know favor over the other. Now, I'm trying to figure out what friendship that is. I'm fairly certain it's custom, but it's not the Premier Republic. That one was already sunk, I think, by this point. So, yeah, I bet that's the Argonaut from Return of Davy Jones. Okay. Let me go pull up my spreadsheet for that and see if I'm right. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, like I said on the forum, I loved the different custom islands used in the game. I think at first Pride Rock was my favorite, but then I got to see some... uh, you showed some some close-ups of the shipwreck pathway, and that one really impressed me as well. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed making shipwreck pathway the most. Nice, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that friendship, I believe that is um, well, that previous one was the Argonaut, uh, which has uh, where'd it go? There you it is. All right, it's got uh, built-in sim action twice and world hitting. Oh God. So that's a pretty good ship. Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good ship. Uh, cannons of 2S, 3L, 3L, 2S. Yep. Base move of L, four cargo spaces, four masts, and 19 points. Okay, yep. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's extremely good. Yikes. Uh-huh. 
Now, unfortunately, my other brother, J.W. Darkhurst, uh, who was English and French, he has a notorious habit of, even with world-hating, still missing on the cannons. Yeah. So he'll roll like three or four ones in a row on ships that have really good cannons like this. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, when the house rule was still in effect, he would get one hit and then three misses. Mm-hmm. And he would just sit there and, like, turn into, like, you know, a raging little gremlin, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame him. It is really frustrating sometimes. Yeah. I know, from from the past few years especially, it's been emphasized even more. I think he officially has worse luck than me at the cannon. So, uh-huh. I'm kind of glad Unfo- not to be that title anymore. So, <laughs> I don't envy that. He also, um, um, he thinks the dice have it out for him anyways, because he seems to struggle with cannon rolls, extra slash slam action twice, fleet admirals, boarding attempts. Yeah. Anytime he has to roll a dice, he's like, oh, great, I got to roll. Yeah. Why can't it just be like, you know, an automatic ability where I hit you yep. and you lose mast? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'd have to concentrate more on, like, gold running and cancelers and stuff like that, trading and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Although, to be fair, uh, one time I played a deathmatch against him, English versus French, and I think he had, like, you know, the Magnifique and a couple other things. And he basically one-shot my entire English fleet in, like, you know, two turns. Because that one game, he hit every single extra action, and he hit every single cannon. I think he did, like, two consecutive successful broadsides attacks with La Magnifique. Yep. So it's like, it's weird. Yeah. What what happens here? (laughs) The dice look is odd. Yeah, that it's weird, like, at your your house or whatever, because I've noticed broadsides attack especially seems to hit all the time. Like, almost no matter who's Uh doing it, maybe. It's really bizarre. Yeah. And I understand how that would well, influence I sometimes have good luck with it. Yep. Um, JW sometimes has good luck with it. What gets really ridiculous is when uh, Ginger, uh, he starts rolling dice. Because I kid you not, there have been turns where he, like, for, like, three ships, where he would get a five and a six for everything he rolled. Mm-hmm. All right? So cannons, extras, boarding, broadsides, you name it he would get, like, you know, the five or the six. Like, out of five or six dice rolls, he got a five or six every single time. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But at the same time, it's also kind of cool, because it's like, okay, luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh Yeah, I guess with my YouTube comment, I just thought the... uh cursed would have been able to move more of their ships away from that ice flow but maybe they were heading en route to somewhere important i'm not sure they were all just kind of going back to their home island yeah i think or around there Uh, the other thing too um that i didn't know a good number of the ships that got hit were actually ghost ships and were ghostly so they shouldn't have lost masts okay yeah Right. But I didn't know that uh, if a, a ghost ship has something move into it while it's ghostly, nothing happens. Huh. Yep. Yeah, the pictures of the English-French war are just amazing. A lot of carnage. Yeah, there's pictures oh, where yeah. the, the masts are so thick in the water, the debris, you can hardly see the water the chick- in a few spots. Yeah. The picture with the jaguar the around, around the portal is amazing. Yeah, it's at like 736. She's got all fire masts. At least I think it's the Jaguar. Yeah. It's a custom, but... 
uh, it reminds me of um, the Spanish versus the Cursed from last year. Similar thing happened uh, where uh, both sides just kind of bunched up around the portal. Yeah. And it just got, you know, so congested in there. It was like, okay, I want to move this ship forward. I have to move it over like three or four, like, you know, downed masts. That also happened when the uh, Americans were fighting the Spanish as well. It got really nutty or like, you know, really dense Yeah. uh, when that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, that happened in like, I don't know, a bunch of battles in Command the Oceans. Probably because the game lasted so long. So, yeah, that one I think yep. the most crazy was like Americans versus pirates when the pirates invaded through the whirlpool, and then Americans versus French north of the castle. Yeah, the spot. That was crazy. Oh yeah, the spot. That's, that was insane. And that's the type of thing where it was like, like well, I've got like you know an inch worth of like downed masts on yeah, the ground here. Basically, it was like almost a stalemate for a long time too. They just kept fighting and going at it. And every time a ship would get sunk or taken out of battle, another one would just take its place because they were both fleets were so, so stocked with gunships. Crazy. Uh-huh. So you were the uh, the Americans and the pirates. I don't know if you had any strategies with those fleets that you didn't go into in the battle report. But I'm always I always love hearing about the strategy of campaign games. Yeah. So the um, I uh, played my two factions as kind of omnipotent. So if the English and the French did something, I would know about it, or they would know about it. Uh, uh, JW didn't, yeah. so he played the English and the French like, okay, I have to go and see something in order to know about it. Like you know how you did for uh, Command the Oceans. Yeah, and the Caribbean. I didn't do that for either one. They were partially omnipotent. They knew what was going on elsewhere. So the pirates knew Voyanui was out there and they very much wanted to control it. That was like, you know, objective numero uno when the game started. Control Voyanui. Yeah. Which, you know, they eventually did. And managed to do so until the island sank. <laughs> yep. The Americans, um, before the Spanish got like, you know, Within, like, the first three days of play, the Spanish had over 1K gold. It was just ridiculous. Um, Because they found, like, the two most valuable resources right next to home, practically. And they were able to just, you know, sail, like, you know, two or three boatloads of uh, resources back, hold on to it until, like, the resources changed, and then cash it all in at once for a massive windfall. And then they'd spend some of it to launch, like, you know, every single ship that had like five or six cargo, which would then get, you know, an additional one or two from their cargo masters. So you've got ships sailing around with seven or eight cargo. And then even after a helmsman has been added, you've still got like, you know, six to seven open spots. It's like jeepers. Yeah. But before the Spanish, um, took off, the Americans were kind of wary of the pirates because they knew they were out there, but they were willing to just, you know, okay, the pirates are over there. We're over here. We're fine with that. Now, the English concerned them a little bit because there was a little bit of, I want to know if say animosity, but a little bit of tension when the Americans uh, built that colony north of Pyramid Island because the English had been there, I think, or were going there. And then the Americans explored the island and started to build the colony and the English got upset about it. They didn't do anything to try and take the island over, 
but the English were like, oh, great. Did you really have to? Or like, oh, great, you're here. So some of the early American strategy before the Spanish uh, became an obvious threat was, okay, maybe we should be concerned about the English. All right? And then um, for the longest of times, uh, the Bonhomme Richard and the Providence were stationed at the colony, even, you know, when the war with Spain started and was like, you know, starting to go downhill, like both of those ships still stuck around that colony because the Americans were that concerned about the English. Yeah. Even though they tried to like, you know, make an alliance with them to try and fight the Spanish, but you know, that didn't work. Yeah. I found the lack of uh, enemies that the Spanish had kind of, kind of weird. Um, I mean, they didn't really yeah. make until the Americans really went after them. They didn't make a huge show of showing off like a big battle fleet. But when you know no. they have that much gold and they can easily use it quickly to launch more yeah. ships than any other faction and, you know, obviously get the main, the end game condition was most ships afloat at the end for anyone not aware. Um, so they kind of had a stranglehold on that. But I thought the cursed, especially, they had chances, especially towards the end. They were coming in from what I kind of thought about as like the north sort of, uh, based on some of the pictures. Uh-huh. But And they, you know, they were, they were right there kind of on the edge of that one table and then they started coming over a bit, but they didn't, they didn't actually create a big offensive front that would have really struck made the Spanish. First of all, at least they would have been to at least spend. And I think eventually the curse in Americans with a two pronged assault probably could have made them start to run out of some of the whiz kit ships, at least if not custom. So, Oh yeah. Well, the other thing uh, I almost, I, I think I forgot to mention this in the actual report. Um, the Spanish lent 1K gold to the cursed. That sounds so that was like, you know, an insider trading moment, wow. if you will. Yeah, that's where the Spanish gave the cursed some gold to launch, like, you know, whatever ships they wanted. And I was kind of like, you know, hey, let's be friends. So when the cursed uh, toward the end, when they were sailing uh, down from the north, kind of toward the west, the idea was because the Spanish were getting tired of the Americans, you know, resisting. So the Spanish were like, okay, we're tired of this. We don't want to spend our own ships. Yo, undead guys, we gave you some gold. Come help us out. And they were on their way to jointly attack the Americans. Yeah. But before they could do that, that's when the pirates struck. And then the Spanish were like, well, shoot, you've done our job for us. <laughs> Never mind. Go back to being, go back to doing whatever you're doing. And that was actually, like, you know, a moment where, like, um, Ginger said to me, like, okay, I was going to attack you with both my factions, but then the pirates started killing the Americans, and I felt bad. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, okay, I'm backing off now. Uh, wow. That was, like, is... a moment of, like, you know, out-game strategy that, you know, affected some of the things that happened. Yeah. No, that is fascinating. But also, I think I think you did mention that. You at least mentioned, I don't know about the amount, but I, I know you mentioned something about that. Um, cause I do remember it now. Yeah. Unless I'm remembering wrong, but I don't think so. And, uh, and yeah, that's one of those weird things where it's like, it's kind of, in my opinion, like on the fence. Cause he loaned money from one mm. of his factions to another, but it is a legitimate reason because the Spanish had so much that they could afford to lose a thousand gold, still stay in the gold race. And then yeah, and still have more gold than everybody. Exactly. It, which would, was enough throughout the game to launch more ships than anybody else. The problem is they just didn't capitalize on it at the end. Like, I think it would be yeah. more, it would make more sense and not that he needs an excuse, but it would be more excusable if the Spanish did use the gold that they didn't give to the curse, which was a ton. 
to just, again, they were only 10 behind. It was 70 ships to 60, right? So they only needed about a dozen more. So that's yeah. what I don't like. But, oh, well. Well, at that point, by the time uh, of report, the events of Report 17, mm-hmm. we already kind of knew what, you know, the first and first and second spots were going to be. Because um, uh, you see those pennies there on the home island for the Spanish. Each penny was worth 1,000 gold. So he had like, you know, seven or eight of those things on his home island, plus, you know, more additional gold. And everyone knew, okay, no one has as much gold as the Spanish do. So who has the Spanish pretty much have second place locked up. So who's going to get first? So what Ginger did was he said, okay, you know what? I've already got second place. I'm going to shoot for the fences. I'm going to have the cursed beat get the most ships. That way I get first and second place. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. So that's why he didn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he didn't launch for the Spanish. Okay. Plus, you know, I think he was like, okay, I'm tired of getting ships out for the Spanish. Yeah. All right. I'm tired of it. I totally understand real life, um, you know, kind of like logistical issues, like command the ocean. Yeah. You know, I had to disable the two is for Matt's house rule at the end. And then it was like, I was shooting like wicked fast. Like the, the way the pirates fell and man, the oceans was bizarre, but like it only, it didn't take long either. Like their ships got flown up so quick. Um, I mean, they fought back of course, but it, it was bizarre. So that's another case of, you know, real life kind of interfering with the game, unfortunately. But yeah. And yeah, getting yeah, that's back, the other thing too. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the time of this happened, I had lifted that house rule, like, you know, I think two reports ago. So I think the beginning of a report, oh, I think maybe 16 or the end of report 15 is when I lifted the house rule. Mm-hmm. So, like, all the combat that happens that you see in the finale is just regular, you know, one hit, one mast. Yeah. And, you know, the yeah, so it's, it's more ships could have been sunk, but they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it does the the explanation for the 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 final standings does make more sense because then if the Spanish, I mean it's not playing the faction equally, but it does make sense because if the Spanish had launched, then the curse may not have been in the top two spots. I guess, but no, that's that yeah, yeah that's the other weird thing because then, huh? I guess I just like uh, yeah, uh, an really, um... where you have it's all equal. Like, I don't know if, I mean, most gold is okay. Um, I guess I like points in play the most because it seems the most fair to me and then just have that throughout the standings rather than have, like, alternating most ships versus most gold. So it's kind of funky, at least to me, but, yeah. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it's more or less what I've done uh, for every single one since 2015. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one time I reversed it, it caused a huge controversy yeah. that we're still talking about. <laughs> yeah, and that wasn't even for one of these summer games. That was for that um, um economy that economy game, game yeah. <laughs> where I think our friend just like you know stockpiled gold until the end, but I don't think he won or something. Yeah, it was weird. Or no, I think well, I think he did, but then the French should. It's, it's right? gone down in history as like you know one of those games. Yeah, it was. I think I think what it was the Spanish didn't fight at all. But they had the most gold until the end when everyone decided, "Hey, let's go kill the English." They didn't, but then I think they technically they had a tiny bit more gold than French. But they they both had like over two thousand, I think. And then the French were only behind yeah, by like nuts. by like fourteen. But then they had like twenty on like the fee two, and she was like, 
L away from home or something? Within S of the home island, but didn't yeah. unload. Exactly. So, well, I, so for me, yeah. the French, you know, I'd like to have the French as the winner of that game by far. So Yeah. Yeah. That, that well, to do a little bit of uh, clearing up about that, that I think was still, we started that, I think, like in 2015 yeah. or so, which was like, you know, four or five years ago. So at the time, Ginger was four or five years younger. And so he was like, okay, being a wee bit more like, you know, not as, I guess, fair or being more willing to be like, you know, gamey because he came back and told to me like, you know, I was afraid of being home island raided. So I was sneaky. I hid a coin under my home island <laughs> so that you couldn't see it. Therefore, you couldn't take it. So that that plus the fee to the French probably would have won by like, you know, a very like, you know, extremely narrow margin. But they would have had maybe thirty gold more than what they ended up with, which would have put them in first. Yeah, but yeah. I, they didn't. Yeah, like, mm. I want to say from the report, I may not be remembering it right, but I want to say the feed you had enough to win based on her hold. So even with like a you know a gamey stolen a big yeah, coin, yeah. you know. And yeah, in the in the data yeah. doc, I have the French first because that's yeah, it's just it was too much for me to. Uh. <laughs> yeah that one i think really cemented home to me okay most ships and then the most gold yeah because yeah, exactly. it worked for the first one i decided yeah, let's flip it around what if we flipped it around okay let's not do that again yeah <laughs> yeah yeah most ships is pretty solid because the most faction of the most points in play is probably going to be um the same shit, the same faction as most points play. So, anyway, and it's easier to count, of course. It's faster to count. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Spanish treasure system was one of the most amazing I've ever seen because they had two or maybe three chain exploring lines. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, they didn't have a chain explorer per se from Pride Rock to home. But they had at least two that went from um, the archway there in the north back to home. And they had one that went from one half a split almost all the way back to home. So that's a lot of ocean to cover. Yeah. Yeah, also, that means they had enough ships um, to where they had a, a more or less equal exchange of cargo going down the line. So they had like 20 to 30 ships that all had like four cargo spaces open that they could use to just, you know, zip, zip the gold home straight away. Yep. I like how you use the lighting too. I'm just zipping around some of the pictures. I love the sunlight shots because you can sometimes see. Oh, those the are my favorite. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I try to get that with the camera, but I'm not always successful. Yep. So I, I take a picture of my... Well, that looks great, but that's not what I'm seeing with my eyeballs. Yeah. The other times, too, I have to, like, you know, sometimes play around with, like, you know, the exposure and whatnot. Uh-huh. So that's why sometimes it's like, ooh, that's really, really bright white light coming off the table there. And then other times it's like, ooh, wow, that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought about doing, like, effects on pictures uh, for battle reports, but usually I'm just going too fast or would rather just play than mess around with that camera during the game. I did that for like one report. I think it was at night, uh, during command the oceans, but only a few pictures had it. So 
Uh, hang on a sec. Someone just banged on my gate. I'll be right back. Yeah, no problem. Hang on. Yep. Yeah, I'm just flipping through some of the uh, some of the pictures for Century of Economy. You can see he's got. They had a couple different tables set up with that the space in between the table, almost at the same height, which is cool. There you can see the massive curse line of gunships um, spreading out from their home island, kind of in the north, uh, at least from my directional standpoint. Um, and then the Spanish off to the left there. So, yeah, I just find it interesting that the Cursed won two campaign games in a row now, because uh, they won Century of Economy in 2018 as well. So, pretty wild. And yeah, so Zarek did a point count at the end of the game and uh, came up to 5,651 points. So this game easily becomes the second biggest game of all time after only Command the Oceans, along with 291 ships in play. So pretty crazy. And then that's one of the pictures where Boyanui had sunk. It was in the, pretty much in the center of the ocean. But then the, the massive ice flow started moving from there. Here you see some of the Spanish ships, Corazon Dorado in there. Here's one of the custom cursed ships. All right, I am returned. Nice. Yeah, I just mentioned the. So I was looking for my brother. Yeah, I just mentioned the epic point count, second biggest game ever now. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised when I did the math uh, for that, and that was uh, July seventeenth, which is like literally. That's right before the Spanish and Americans went into war. Yep. Like, like I did the point count, and then the next turn, they started fighting. <sighs> and I, oh, I forget what report that started in, but uh, I want to say that's reports six and seven is when they started fighting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. But I am not certain if the point count increased or decreased after that point. Because both sides launched, and then the English and the French also were, like, you know, fighting each other at that point in time. Uh -huh. So it's conceivable that the point count went up before it started to go back down when the uh, Americans got eliminated. Yeah, nice. I didn't do a point count, like, you know, at the very, very end of the game. Uh, I probably should have, but there it is. Yeah. I'm thinking it was probably still smaller, though. I mean, it looks smaller based on the pictures at the end of the final report, and then with all the combat and the house rule gone. But I don't know. Some of those cursed ships are mighty expensive. That's why the cursed asked yeah. for a thousand gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, I think they once did once again did uh, what I did in 2016 when I had them. Uh, they went and found every single sea monster we have in our collection. Whiz kids and custom, and added in okay on top of that every single sea creature so titans, sea dragons, kraken slash octopi, and they spent like I think two to three turns launching all of those, uh -huh. and all oh, uh, I think that's like a dozen ships or like a dozen ships, and there's a couple of them that have really high point costs, like the ones that are attached uh, to fiends of the blood armies the Baraki. Which I, I think they, as long as they've got all their segments, they have Captain and Plus L to their base move built into them. Uh -huh. So those are like, you know, really expensive. And I think almost all of them have a model. Nice. So I was like, yeesh. 
Yeah, I will say the curse that... It's like a dense, multi-layered line of cursed stuff at the end of the game. Stretching from the yeah, home yeah. island to, like, northern Spanish territory. That was really impressive to look at. <clears throat> that must yeah, be that, you know, complete. Yeah, that show of force, if you will, was one of the main reasons that, you know... Okay, the Spanish weren't ever going to attack the curse because controlled by the same guy. The English and the French were too caught up fighting each other to really, like, you know, disengage and put aside differences to attack the cursed. And also, they're like, okay, that's a lot of gunships. We're kind of depleted. Let's not attack those guys or poke them with a stick. Yeah. And the pirates wanted nothing to do with it as well for the same reason. It was like, you know, we're feeling pretty confident about, you know, our fleet and our capital ships, but especially after Voya Nui sank and it became much easier to sail at the pirates. They're like, mm, yeah, let's, let's not attack them. The Spanish look like a slightly more promising target, but not the cursed. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of what the cursed could bring to bear was like, you know, gimmick stuff, like, you know, mind controlling, uh, um, uh, extra action, like, you know, denier uh, kind of things. Not a whole lot of their battle fleet was like, you know, very, very top tier gunship. Yeah. Some of them were, but uh, I think the ones that were, were probably custom. Nice. Yeah, I've got the uh, Pirate CSG data spreadsheet up, too, with the campaign game results from over the years, which now has uh, updated pictures in the huge game legacy thread, too, at the end. So, so, yeah, for your game specifically, the Americans won, and then the French won two in a row, the English won 2017, yeah. and then the Cursed have won the last two. That actually puts yeah. the Cursed in the best The Pirates and the Spanish haven't won a single one of my summer games. I know, and that's crazy, because you could make the argument that they're the top two. So, yeah, yeah. that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the Spanish... And last year, when I had them, I wanted them to win, but that wound up not happening. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like the Spanish have three runner-up second-place finishes in your games. Yeah. Nice. And then the French, the yeah, I, I love noticing little anomalies and stuff. So the French have two wins, and then they don't have a finish better than fourth place in, in the other four games. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Americans finished first in 2015. They haven't finished in first or second since then. They're, they've got a bit of a drought. They keep getting worse. It's the third, fourth, fourth, sixth. So, interesting. English with three fourth place finishes. Yeah, I just finished reading, rereading uh, the Battle Ports for Vassal Campaign Game 1, and uh, it still impresses me to this day. I think it's still probably my favorite campaign game, at least for the, the smallest number of flaws, because Command the Oceans was very demanding, and uh, it got pretty annoying at times, where <laughs> Vassal Campaign Game 1, of course, just played on the computer, so it's easier logistically, and there's no, no time-based rush to finish it, really. So... I'd say CG1 that yeah. we played was still pretty much my favorite. Um, it's just amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I posted a comment there today because I just finished rereading the reports earlier this morning. And uh, I said, cancelers remind me of nuclear radiation shutting down anything that gets close. <laughs> it's like when you've got a canceler cluster with like three or especially three or more 
Um, it's almost like it almost it, yeah it reminds me of like radiation because um, like oh, if you yeah. get shut down like any crew that come close you can shut down like a bunch of them all at once so and it reminds me kind of kind of like yeah. the, the Americans and the Curse fighting in CG three where they each had uh, it was that was crazy that was probably one of the craziest yep. link situations I've ever seen and it got weird because oh, yeah. eventually the Americans captured your cursed cancelers or at least some of them. So eventually they had like eight or nine or something. So then I drew the, I put the, the S range tool out and like had the circles representing like the zone of cancellation. It was like, it's like almost the whole battle fleet was like enveloped though. Or not the whole thing, but a bunch yeah. of <laughs> That's the other thing that made uh, the pirate um, fortification around uh, Voyanui and tutorial really kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, because they had the Mobilis and Christian Fjord on, you know, Christian Fjord was on a submarine, and the Mobilis obviously was under the water, so that was two off the bat. Then they had the Rampage, plus I think one of their own, I think Tia Dalma. All of those ships were right there at the mouth of the harbor around Tutorial Island. It was yeah. like, well, good luck getting inside without using the Whirlpool. <laughs> yeah. And of course they have Calypso, so that's going to be tough too. Oh. Oh, yeah, uh, that was the other thing. Uh, they launched her from the military port on the inside of the bay to give her the most protection. Yeah. Or as much as they could offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she had, there was a captain and an oarsman on the ship as well. On the off chance that someone was able to get inside and board her ship, she had like two meat shields. Mm-hmm. So she could survive two boarding attempts before drastic measures had to be taken. Yep. But I think I even said it in one of the reports. All right, trying to get inside Voyanui Bay was like, all right, let's go por- poke the hornet's nest. Yeah, I really enjoyed watching what the pirates did in this game. Um, I don't know if I was really rooting for any specific faction. I was rooting for the English against the French, of course. Um, <laughs> I guess at times I was rooting for the Spanish just because I felt like they deserved to win, even if they had it you know, really good with the Cargo Masters, which I don't like seeing in campaign games. Um, the American-Spanish War was probably the most interesting part of the game, just seeing the different tactics and stuff that happened and some of the big moments. I was actually surprised when they, they couldn't hold any of their Ten Masters. Spain had three, and they all were sunk. So that was really impressive on your end with the Americans. Mm-hmm. Did that. Yeah, some of the pictures... Part of that was... Um the revelation on both sides of that battle. But we realized that the way I set up the rules, uh, fire just circumvents the house rule completely. So fire pot specialists, exploding shot, fire shot, all of those just completely go around the house rule. So what wound up happening was, like, on the American side, they purposely launched gunships where, okay, captain, helmsman, fire pot specialist, exploding shot, and fire shot. I mean, I think that was like almost exactly what was on the Mohican or something similar to that, where, okay, I could rip off like, you know, two fire shots or two attempts for a fire shot in one turn with all really good cannons. So it's like, okay, one fire mass, two fire mass, and then, you know, ships just burn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like for when I've done that house rule, I have it. um, I guess I thought your games were this way too, but I have it where. You have to use the firepot specialist when you would eliminate a mass, because they're else they become too powerful and they're already quite powerful. So, like to get the fire hit, you got to hit normally once, and then 
when you would, you know, that doesn't eliminate your mass, and then the second hit, you use the fire pot specialist to get that second hit that it flame. That's how I like to do it. And that's how... Yeah, I'm probably gonna uh, do something about that for next year. Yeah, and so, I... So, you know, thinking about rules already. Yeah, I don't know if that's already a thing in CG4, but it definitely should be, so I'm gonna... I'm going to look at that right now, or at least get the tab up to make a note about it later, just to clarify oh, yeah. that that should be the case, without a doubt. Or else, yeah, it just becomes even more powerful. So. Ooh, excuse me. Yeah, one thing I noticed when I was rereading the CG1 battle report is that... Um, when the English launched their, that huge battle fleet towards the end to combat the Spanish, a ton of their ships had oarsmen, but they scuttled a ton of ships in the battle. Um, so I'm not sure if I didn't realize that you weren't supposed to do that, or if they actually didn't have oarsmen, those specific ships. But I think they probably should have rowed some of them back um, between, you know, obviously the keyword, but also to try to repair them. I think the English got a little bit overconfident in the long run that they could outlast or outgun the Spanish. Um, but the Spanish just yeah. kept fighting and they just kept plugging the gaps. It was a stalemate for a long time. So many reports where it's just back and forth and the English made almost no progress on the sea in terms of heading south. Um, it took them forever to get the Spanish from Ireland, but at that point, both fleets were almost spent, basically. So that was wild. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you remember uh, last year when the Spanish, like, you know, tried to inquisition the curse because unholy demons. Uh, but the similar thing happened. The Spanish came in with all the confidence in the world. Oh, they're just cursed. We'll just, you know, mow them over because we're Spain. You know, fear the might of, uh, you know, the Holy Cross or whatever have you. And when the cursed not only blunted back, blunted them back not once but twice, and then followed up and came to them. That was like, oh boy. That was a, a reverse uh, situation from CG1, where the English tried to get to the Spanish, but then, you know, by the time they did, it was like, oh, yikes, we're kind of out of ships. Yeah. But it's in uh, my, tw my, 28, bleh, my 2018 game, when the Spanish tried to get to the Kirsch, they realized we're kind of spent. Yeah. And then, oh, that makes... Another thing about CG1 is that it's the only Vassal campaign game so far to have a close finish. Because the... And the, some of the final reports, the Spanish had, like, 32 ships, and the English 29, and the Pirates 3 or whatever. So the Spanish and the English were close pretty much until the end. I think the Spanish only had around 20 ships afloat at the end of play. And then CG2 and CG3 were both, like, massive blowouts where... My winning fleets had, I think the English had just over 1,200 points in play, and the American CG3 had like over 2,400. So CG1 is unique in that it was really close, too, at the end. So uh, it was great. Yeah. I, you know, that situation with um, the English and the Spanish from CG1, I keep hoping something like that will happen in one of my summer games. Yeah. Although I don't know if there's enough time. That's the um, thing for our fleets to get that big and then just completely go at each other like that. Yeah. 
that's the that's the eternal question of physical campaign games. It's just you run out of time, or stuff happens, or somebody's got to leave. Yeah, it's just really hard to avoid that. So, you know. And yeah, like I said, CTO, I kind of, I mean, I had to force it. I disabled the two hits per mast, and then I disallowed repairing, and then I, like, rushed <laughs> the combat, at least in a lot of the cases. Um, so, yeah. Oh, well. It's so, so tough. That's one of my goals. That's one of my biggest long-term goals with Pirates is do, like, a game that's just huge, like, at least 5,000 points, hopefully. Um, and uh, that's that this summer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But then play it perfect to the end, which would probably take an additional one or two months longer than you would ever expect. So if you're planning three months, maybe plan for like five. So then you could keep the house rules intact, yeah. keep resources and gold in play, and then have it be, you know, last fleet standing no matter what. Uh, so you don't have to do a point count or anything. So, but that's that's a long term goal. So. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I'm guess, limited. Uh, yeah. Um, no, you go ahead because it'll probably be more relevant. Okay. Well, I'm limited with my summer games because I only have, you know, the summer vacation. Yeah. Like, you know, from kind of sometime around the beginning of June to now, like, you know, about the beginning of August. So that's barely one and a half months of time. Yeah. I wish I could do it to where beginning of June through to about the middle of September. But uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, CTO was the longest physical one I've done. Basically three months, or three months in a week, or whatever. So, And yeah, just to finish the comment on CG1, at the end of my comment, um, I said, at the end, it looks like the Spanish may have won by stalemate either way, because they had Fior on the Nautilus, submerged, and then they had Nemesio Diaz on the Acorazado, obviously on the surface. The English didn't have any cancelers at that point. They only had HMS Challenger with the sub-hunting, but she only has two 4S cannons. Uh -huh. So the English would have to capture Nemesio Diaz on the Acorazado, in order, which is Good luck. really, I know, that alone is super hard, in order to bring the Nautilus to the surface or allow the Challenger to shoot at her by canceling Fior, then the Challenger can just shoot at the Nautilus normally, which wouldn't really work with those cannons. So uh, then I said at the end, if it was the Nautilus alone, because the English could take out all the other ships, hopefully including the Acorazado, um, it was just the Nautilus versus a bunch of English ships. I would do points in play probably to like do a tiebreaker because there also would be a stalemate with the Nautilus sitting underwater. Um, so that's not really uh -huh. a win. So I think I would, at that point, assuming the English had more points in play, um, you know, more than like 32 or 25 or whatever was on the Nautilus, um, the English would win in that case. But just getting there would be really hard. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh man, I'm looking at this picture of Pride Rock with the Bauchuan and Spanish <laughs> ships surrounding right at the end. Yeah, last picture of the fina finale report. Awesome. Oh, really? Oh, that's one from my. Um, um, yeah, from the big. Let's part. see. So that part? wasn't part of the pictures I had um, in my file for Report 17. Yep. That was part of a, a group of um, ones. That I think, uh, I think, made it into the, um, um, I think made it into reports, but I'm not positive. Oh, uh, yeah, that one. 
So those one, these pictures are from um, when uh, our friend came back over from that uh, economy game before he moved north to I think it's around Seattle is where he wound up going. Uh, we played. We had like you know a weekend where we like you know played three or four games, you know back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. And I've got pictures for all of those. I just haven't made the um, um the vids for them yet. But you know this was one of those days to where um you know I took I think sunlight pictures. Yep. Of the game, I don't think I took game action pictures, but I'm not positive. So some of those ones at the very end when I'm talking about, okay, um, you know, point costs and whatever and whatnot, some of those could be from, like, a dropped report. Like, something that should have been between reports 7 and 8, but never was. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And I found it, like, you know, after I had already done all the recording for Report 17, I'm like, I just found these, and I just finished all the recording. Oh, yeah. no. I think it's perfect, though, because you were, when you showed them, you were wrapping up the game and talking about overall, so I think it works perfectly. Um, the picture at... Uh, yeah, I just wish I had caught it sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the picture at 2652 is really cool, because the sun is hitting the San Cristobal sails, and the orange-yellow sticks out and really shows that ship, um, which is neat. I know I, I've got some pictures from games that I haven't used, mostly just Command the Oceans, but usually they're just almost duplicates because they're either, it's a picture with or without the flash where I use the other version um, instead in the actual report, or it's like a slightly different angle on the same, you know, the same situation that really doesn't need to be in there. I kind of, a lot of times I love, you know, a picture of this, of this game, of course, especially with some of our campaign games last like two, three years that gotten really beautiful, basically. Um, so yeah. sometimes I include more pictures than I need to, but I don't really ever regret it. Cause it's, it's really fun to just document it. So. Yep. Yeah. Look, a lot of times what uh, happens to me is like, you know, cause I'm the one who takes pretty much all the pictures. So I'll take pictures of like, you know, stuff that happens not on my turn like, you know, for my two brothers, their turns and whatnot. And then it's my turn. I put the camera down, play out my turn, and then go back to taking pictures. So what winds up happening is I forget to take pictures of stuff that happens on my turn. Or, you know, it gets to a heated moment and I forget to take pictures entirely because I'm focusing in on what's happening. Where it's like, okay, you've got your three cancelers versus my three cancelers. How are we going to do this? Yeah. So I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just sometimes forget, mm-hmm. like you know, like and I miss, like you know, sometimes important things, like oh yeah, I hit with that broadside attack, or oh yeah, I like you know, dismashed at that ship, and you yeah. see it sometimes, like you know, in the reports where it's like all like you know, uh, in one frame or one picture, it's like, and here come all the five masters, and like two or three things later, and all the five masters are now derelict. <laughs> it's like. Hmm, something happened here. Yeah, yeah sometimes so I forgot. I forgot. To take, you know, pictures of everything. Yep. What the heck is that? Nice. <laughs> Got a tracker or something. Yeah, I forgot. Yes. What the heck is that said? <laughs> I assume that's a delivery van. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot to take pictures uh, once in a while. 
that's one thing I concentrated on this year is really documenting the games. I almost ne had never done videos of the actual gameplay until that 6x150 game where I made sure to do that rather often. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I've thought about doing that, uh, yeah. taking live video. Yeah. But my issue is I do not want background sounds to get into the video. Yeah. So if there's like, you know, stuff going on in the house or whatever, people talking, I'm not sure if I want that ambient sound in my videos, which is why I like, you know, I record, I, I, I script out and record everything um, in my room with the door closed and as quiet as possible. And then uh, I go in and like, you know, edit the audio files themselves and like, you know, reduce the background noise so that you can try to hear it as little as possible. So if I just had the like you know the raw video audio um in conjunction with the picture I'm not sure if I could uh I guess tweak that to my um satisfaction because I'd be worried about like you know oh that's uh, like hmm. like you know a sound out like you know and somewhere else in the house like you know a door slam or like you know someone opens up the fridge or you know Someone starts, like, you know, cooking something out in the kitchen, yeah. like, you know, loudly or whatever. So that's the kind of stuff that I don't want to, like, you know, wind up in, you know, the video. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, like, you know, during the games, we're not just sitting there in the room, like, you know, talking to one another. Oftentimes, we'll queue up music for something. Like, I'll play something off my phone or we'll hook up, you know, play something off our stereo, whatever. Or I'll, like, you know, sometimes bring out my laptop and, like, go through a playlist of stuff with some speakers to, like, you know, give some ambiance. Yep. Yeah. For me, I'm lucky I've got a room that I've played in this year especially where it's kind of isolated from most of the rest of the house. Um, and I'm less of a perfectionist. If I'm going to take live video, it's just going to be sometimes, like, <laughs> I, I think I had the air conditioner on for at least one of the games this year. So I uh, just kind of wing it. So that figure, yeah. it's not going to get like the room we play the game in uh, this year. It's like a, a converted garage space. So it's really big. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of air conditioning in there. Mm -hmm. So what we had to do at one point was we had to bring in a standing fan to like, you know, get some air circulating through there. So it would like, you know, be, we'd not be like uh, getting too hot. And also what happened was that, uh, would be when the air conditioner did turn on, we just kind of like, you know, stand in front of the vent and go, oh, cool air. That's very nice. Yep. <laughs> I think I did that during Economy Edition because that game was in June. I think I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember Command the Oceans was really unique for me because September 27th. It was in the winter. Partly. Um, it ended then. But September 2017 here in New York was like wicked hot. So I think there were days where it was oh, jeepers. over 90, um, like multiple days in a row, I think. And I had an air conditioner in maybe both rooms, I think, but it was still, you know, I had to like cool the room down first to play. Um, oh, yeah. but then yeah, it ended around, I think December 15th. So by the end of it, there was snow on the ground and it was like 30 outside. So it was a really unique. Oh, that sounds experience. so lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. For inside it, it's nice, usually. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, today, it's like, you know, what, November 9th, it's like 91 degrees here today. Oh, I'm like, God. come on, yeah. <laughs> please, cool off. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, 
it needs to not be summer anymore. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right, we've been through that. fall. Please give us the winter. Yep. Yeah, I don't like the snow, but sometimes the heat is worse for me. So anyway, but yeah, CTO is a really crazy experience where I got to play in a huge range of temperatures over the course of those three months. So that was a really unique experience. So moving on yeah. to the uh, the Pirate CSG data spreadsheet in the Huge Game Legacy tab. So I've updated the overall results for all the games between both of us. And with those updated results, the English are still first at overall rank. So their overall finish or placement in these games is 2.6. So you want this to be as low as possible, of course. Um, the Cursed move into second at 2.90 with consecutive victories. And I think what they're part of what they're benefiting from is they weren't on their own in some of my early games. I had like a faction, the Murkhurst Corsair Rebels, among others. Um, so I think they kind of benefit from that. So I'm seeing yeah. between both They might also be benefiting from some of my more overpowered customs. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and I'm only seeing one Just a hunch. Only one finish for them over the years worse than fourth place, which was fifth in CG1, where they actually played pretty well. Um, so, yeah, and recently they've been second in CG3 and then first in the last two CUEC games. So, uh, so yeah, they benefited from various things. Um, and, yeah, just as a disclaimer, I wouldn't really recommend playing the Cursed in a, in a campaign game if anybody listening wants to try. Um, without customs or some kind of rules to aid them, yep. you know, they're, they're probably not going to be the second best faction. It's not like they're actually that good. Um, the Pirates, Spanish, and French, and usually the Americans, should all beat them in most campaign games. So so these rankings are kind of getting a little weird, but they're not exactly definitive campaign game yeah. rankings, in my opinion, anymore. But anyway, but the Pirates well, are third at 3.07, but yeah. go ahead. Uh, just looking at your uh, column there for the wins for the Pirates, three games in a row they've been third. Yeah. So, Vassal Campaign Game 3, last year, and then this year. Yep. So, so, three years of third. Yep. They're consistent, at least. Yeah. Yeah, and they had a couple second-place finishes in a row. In my early games, they were first, first, second. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I see those. Yeah, and I think for, I don't know, the French might be the least... Con well, they were consistently bad early on for me, but then they're kind of all over the place. Oh, yeah, I remember... Oh, yeah. This is what I remember from the Huge Game Legacy thread. They were first in both of your games, but they were last in both Vassal games, mm -hmm. CG1 and CG2. So that's a really unique one. So they dominated physical play, but they, they sucked <laughs> at the virtual version. So, yeah. Though, <laughs> and that's where it gets kind of weird. They were third in Vassal Campaign Game 2, which sounds good, but that was actually last in that game. They only had three fleets. So, so that's another thing that yeah. kind of kind of destabilizes the results because the French kind of benefit um, in that game from finishing third, even though they probably didn't play as good as the Cursed from CG1, even though the Cursed were fifth in that game. So, yeah, it gets weird. And CG, CTO, Man the Oceans, was strange because the Pirates finishing fifth was bizarre. They looked like a decently, a decent favorite for quite a while. Um, and then at yeah. the end, with all the combat and the house rules disappearing, they got absolutely slaughtered at home by like a three, almost a three-pronged attack by the Jades, the Curse, and the English. So the, uh, you would have expected them to finish on the podium, so to speak, like first, second, or third, but that yeah. was the end result. So a lot of weirdness. I think if you had been able uh, to keep the house rule up, mm 
and play Command the Oceans out, you know, with all the rules intact and nothing modified, I think it would look very different. I think it would look um, somewhat different. Well, maybe not the French, but the pirates might have done better. Yeah. And the Spanish might have done worse. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I don't think it would have been completely different, but at least somewhat. Because so, theoretically, I mean, all the factions, you know, benefit or lose from the lifting the house rule relatively equally. Um, the Americans may have been hit hardest, probably, because they were fighting the French, and they couldn't repair at one point. Uh, once that was lifted. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, that was just a classic game. That was crazy. So, so the pirates third overall between all of our games, Spanish are fourth at 3.29 average finish. Americans fifth at 3.54. The French are way back at sixth at 3.73. Um, yeah, the French. And that's seventh place. Yeah. And then other, which is just a random inclusion. Um, that's really random, <laughs> but anyway, and then, yeah, the French, the French are just, they're weird. I just realized they've never finished second. So they have three wins, but no better than third in any, any other game. So that's kind of why they're down low. And they have not done well recently. They had a pretty solid yeah. 2016 and 2017. That's where all their wins came, those two years. And then they've been, past two years, no better than fourth. So Yeah, and then there was, like, you know, the I guess the controversy last year with the French more or less suiciding off the face of the map. Oh, that was... Oh, I hated that. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. um, Sorry, dude. No, it's all right. <clears throat> but, yeah. And then... Yeah, I wasn't fond of that when that happened. Yeah. Uh, myself, because, like, eh, I didn't like it, but, you know, I didn't stop it. I was just like, you know what, fine, whatever. <clears throat> um... That was, I think, one of those instances because that was again that year. It was a uh, my brother Ginger had the French and the Cursed, and um, he, I think, chose the Cursed as his faction to go. Mm-hmm. And he was just you know running gold with the French, and then the pirates attacked them, and he was like, "Fine, you know what? Fine." Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he was you know in a mood that entire summer. Ginger he was like, "You know what? Yeah, Ginger." Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't think I would uh, want to play against him, unfortunately. Uh, well, I think a non-campaign game it would be quite interesting to play against him. Yeah. Now I tried to get him in for Vassal CG four. Well, he uh, was, but he was. You know, he fell through on that. Yeah. yeah. He's just so busy with other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, but something about the results. Oh. The uh, CWC 2019 gets the new record for most gold ever saved. So the Spanish was over 7,000. So I'll, I'll try yeah. to remember to add that to the the official the records uh, post or whatever I made recently. Uh-huh. Talk about ridiculous amounts of gold. There yep. you have it. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I guess I haven't topped a thousand. I think. I, I think the most I've had is the English had 864 in CG one before the launch so hmm. i'm pretty sure 50 yeah yeah I, I remember when that first started in your games i was like i was like totally kidding, shocked right? i don't know if it was i think it was the winter economy game i don't know if it was at the end or oh, yeah. during it 
that you said something about 2000. I was like, what? I was like, Wait, really what? shocked. Oh yeah, that's what that started uh, with the Winter Economy game. Yeah. Ever since I changed over to resources, um, people have just like you know, okay, save, 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 save. Like we're back in the 1930s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like save all the gold, save every yeah. penny, hoard it. Yeah. I know. It's, I find it interesting so, that um, saving gold is like it—it's not effective in the campaign games because that's what I didn't do in the three wins I have. Um, and it's like it's like a reverse strategy of real life where it's you, you don't want to you don't want to follow um, the real life principles yeah. of like saving. So I find that kind of amusing. But but yeah. Well, I tried to do that with uh, the Pirates and the Americans. They didn't necessarily hoard it for long. Yeah. Uh, my big issue was um, figuring out, okay, what do I want to launch? Because the pirates have pretty much everything under the sun. So I was like, okay, give me a minute or three here, guys. I got to figure out what I want to put into the water for them. And then the Americans early on, it was kind of similar. It was like, okay, the Americans got quite a bit. You know, there's, you know, the WizKids stuff, and then there's the custom stuff. I was like, okay, what do I put where? And who do I put on the ships and all that stuff? So I was like, Okay, so I need a turn or three to figure out what I'm going to launch. Well, let me just grab some gold while I'm at it. So I have, like, you know, some savings down the line. Yeah. Yeah, that's one. That's another thing I love about the Vassal campaign games is there's not, like, time pressure to start a turn so you can think about stuff for a longer amount of time in between. And that's... Uh, it's good you mentioned the pirates because that's exactly yeah. the struggle I've had in CG4 because they've had a great system so far. And... The possibilities yeah. <laughs> are truly endless because they have the most WizKid ships, but then we're allowing all custom already. So oh, wow. it's like completely <laughs> absurd because I've been going into Epic Seas mostly to try to see if there's anything else possible <laughs> on the Pirates. But then I know, um, but then I know there's custom sets like your three and then Kaz two. There's like five other custom sets just between you two yeah. that I can look I've at. I've got, and then there's, yeah, there's uh, like, so, yeah. Yeah, this all that's one of the reasons that, you know, starting last uh no, starting this year, sorry, my bad, I put like, you know, a hard limit for the custom stuff for uh, that we could use for the game. So only our stuff because, you know, we're all familiar with it. Yeah. So that's my uh the first two sets. Return of Divi Jones and Fiends the Blood Islands. And those two only because, you know, I actually have models for those. Yeah. Uh we also allowed Darkhurst's first two. Which oh Fiddlesticks he's gonna rip me a new one for this. I forget what two they are. Uh-huh. I, I think it's Dark Tides and then uh, Seas of Doom are their names. So those four were the only custom stuff we were allowed to dip into this year. That's all. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's still quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, uh Return of Davy Jones, I think, uh has a final number of like 120 pieces, give or take, because, you know, some treasures and crew. Fiends the Blood Islands is much bigger than that with, um, let me do a quick look. Let me pull up my spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you'll have but, any... Uh, uh, each of... Uh, oh. Yeah? Do you think you'll have any Spirits Magnet uh, customs of... available for uh, next year's CUEC? Uh, maybe, if I can get my hands on enough duplicates. No. Because that's how I'm bringing these off the paper is I go duplicate hunting. Yeah. So I have to like, you know, the Ionics have like 
10 five mast ships. So I would have to find 10 spare five mast ships plus, you know, a couple sixers that I could, um, turn into and mess around with. Yeah. You could, uh, but, uh, go, wow. Hang on. You could look for black. Friday uh, okay, that's why. Sale. Black Friday sale at Hills Hill. So gaming might see ocean's edge packs on sale. <laughs> so you could try to get lucky <laughs> on those and find six masters from there. But, yeah, that's uh, kind of maybe, funny. but I'm thinking about Christmas yeah, <laughs> yeah. down the line. Yeah. My mind is already like, you know, down the line for my two brothers for Christmas. I'm like, okay, I got to save for them. Yeah. Which is why I like, you know, uh, that deal of the day you mentioned the other day uh-huh. with uh, that big lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I like that one. Well, speaking yeah. of that, ends like, you know, really soon. Oh, okay. Hmm, huh. 20 by. Uh, that looks tempting still. Huh. I don't know. Take a peek at it. I'll have to keep my eyeball on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, but, um... All right, yeah. Yeah. That was new lots. So I'm actually game. a little bit, you know, looking at my uh, sets again. I'm a little surprised. I thought, you know, Fiends would have more uh, than Return of Davy Jones. Huh. But uh, it caps out, I think, at usable ships, like, around 87. That's a bunch. Huh. So well. I think what it is is there's, like, you know... The bulk of stuff is um, in uh, the uh, unique treasures, the islands themselves, and um, uh, some of the other extra things that help make up the bulk of uh, Fiends of the Blood Islands. Mm-hmm. And then Spherus Magna is, I think, it's going to be like, you know, one of the two largest sets that we ever make. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I know Darkhurst has, um, he's fully released, I think, two sets. He's working on uh, his third, and there's a fourth one after that. Oh, wow. Or it's the other way around. <clears throat> yeah, he's going to wind up, I think, with more sets finished than I am. Wow. So he's got two finished. He's working on like a third and a fourth. And then there's a fifth one that uh, I collaborated with him on uh, again. Because, uh-huh. you know, he really helped me make the first two. Yep. Like, Return of Davy Jones, that was just me saying, okay, I want to make some ships for the Cursed. Help me make the other stuff for, like, you know, everyone else. So yeah. all the Cursed pieces I made for RDJ. Uh, but, like, you know, everything else outside of a couple things at the top, he had a hand in. Uh-huh. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. One of the questions I had for this podcast is, uh, what is the best campaign game? I thought CG that I have played, played or in general. I would say either or, or you could do two answers. Yeah. If you want. Okay. Or they could be the same. Um, shall I go first or do you want to answer first? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Favorite campaign? Um, ooh, I might have three answers. Nice. Okay, for overall, it's a toss-up between Command the Oceans and the economy game that you played. I really like those two a lot. Thank you. Because I can remember, like, okay, when's the update coming out? When's the next report? When's the next report? <laughs> and like, there was so much detail, and uh, the pictures were so nice like ooh, ooh. i kept like okay can you like you know do two reports in a day 
Can you do two reports in a day, maybe? Oh, God. He's like, what's happening? What's happening? What happens next? So that's why, like, you know, I was, like, so upset as well with you um, uh, when the economy disaster happened. I was like, oh, no, it didn't finish. Oh, darn it. Uh, and then Command the Oceans, um, reading it and following along with it, um, oh, uh, as it um, uh, uh, came out, I was like, ooh, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, you know, when the Americans discovered the castle, that was like, I'd never thought of that before. Why did I not think of that before? That's awesome. Nice. Uh, so that's why, you know, for overall uh, campaign games, it's a toss-up between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for uh, campaigns that I've played in, um, I don't know if I have a favorite. Because uh-huh. the ones that I've played in, I've played in, uh, I think, every single Vessel campaign game so far. Excuse me. Uh, and then there's my own summer games. Plus, I think there was one undocumented one I did way back when, like one um, the collections between collectively between all all three of us, uh, me and my two brothers. We had maybe fifty ships between the three of us, mm-hmm. and we thought, "Oh, this is cool. We've got like you know every ship we own out on the table." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. All the ships." <laughs> I was like, mm. "Yeah, yeah." And so then, it's yep. a real big toss up. Uh, for me, for ones that I've played in, uh-huh. uh, parts of campaign uh, Vassal campaign game one were fun and enjoyable. Um, like you know, the French holding out as long as they did, uh, the stuff that I was able to do with the pirates, that was uh, cool. Strategizing and playing for them, uh, the Americans not so much <laughs> in that game. Uh, Vassal campaign game two, I had visions of glory, but. You know, things didn't quite go turn out how I thought they would be. Uh, I had this plan for campaign game two to have like the Black Pearl and I think a four-masted pirate ship from Pirates of the Kraken Sea, that custom set that is kind of all jumbled up, if you can find it still. I was like, I'm going to have like two super speedy pirate four-masters. This is going to be awesome. But it didn't quite work that way. Uh, I felt good about campaign game three. I was like, oh, yeah, cursed. This is going to be cool. Because uh-huh. uh, I was also on uh, campaign game three. We were, we were playing with some newer faces. So I figured that, okay, probably in the end, it's going to come down to me and Ben. Because we're either both of us are going to wipe out these new guys. Or Ben's just going to pick up steam and steamroll everyone, which is kind of what wound up happening. <laughs> and then there's uh, my summer games, which... Um, I remember this last year's most vividly, uh, nice. but I think one of the ones that I remember more so is the first one back in 2015 when the ships were on the ground. Yeah, and I didn't have a um, a blue ocean mat. It was just you know the it's not really hardwood floor, but it was the laminated wood floor that the um, game was played on, and that I think is the biggest map ever played. Yeah. So. I really, I have trouble picking a favorite for ones that I've been in. Yeah, that makes as sense. As you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, for the, my favorites overall would be CG1 and Command the Oceans, pretty much a toss-up. As I talked about uh, towards the end of the huge game Legacy thread, CG1, for me at least, was the game with the least amount of flaws and frustration. So that one is just just epic and just, it was like, it was kind of the perfect campaign game experience. 
and it wrapped up without dragging on too much. It was it was amazing. Um, of course, Command of the Oceans was better looking and bigger, and it took a lot more oh, yeah, actual yeah. hours to play, but it was more a lot more frustrating and whatnot. Um, so those would be generally my two favorites. My favorites of yours would be 2015, Century of Empires, and then COEC 2019, yeah. I would say, would be probably tied. Um, maybe a slight advantage to this year's game, but I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, and yeah. COEC 2018 I liked a lot, too. The Winter Economy game I liked a lot, too. So for you, it's like, um, between those four, it's, it's very, very close between all those. I loved 2015 because it was unique with that huge setup and stuff. I remember oh, yeah, that yeah. In, the English uh, battle squadron was epic, the Bauchuan getting wrecked on a reef, and then the uh, oh, pirates yeah. failing to I'm raise. I'm still slightly mad about that. Yeah, I don't blame you. And then the, the Spanish uh, staving off home island raids by the pirates. Those are the stuff I remember most. Oh, yeah. I love the look of the Triumph, too. I always see that ship and i'm just impressed by that custom even though it's not like super doctored up i just i love that the combination of the yeah. and the hull so it's an awesome ship <laughs> yeah i try to make you know the when i build the uh the custom ships out of um the spare bits or like you know i have to like take like two or three ships to make one custom i try to make them look interesting uh, so it's kind of funny to me that you like the, uh, the look of La Triumph so much. Because mm-hmm. to me, it kind of looks like, you know, plain Jane. But, yeah. you know, the trick is in the lighting. All right. You can have, like, you know, a plain looking ship or, like, you know, a, I guess a historically accurate looking ship with not so much fancy artwork going on. But if you take the picture in the right lighting, it's like, whoo. Oh boy. That looks really nice. Yep. Well, I think uh, the Notre Dame uh, that I made, I got them. Um, I think I used like two or three Royal Louis to make that ship. With I don't know where I pulled the hull from, but I can find out. Yeah. That so that one, cool. I, that one looks really nice every now and again. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, I do like that one too. Yep. And yeah. Um, oh, well, I know the pictures. You're, yeah. No, you go ahead. It'll be more relevant. Yeah, I know the pictures you're talking about with La Triumph from the 2015 game. Yeah, because you know, uh, periodically over the years, there were times I would go back and look at you know the reports that I did, and like you know seeing the reactions, like ooh, like when uh, you would uh, quote on mini trading, um, like that picture file. I think it's the one where uh, the lighting is such that um, you see like a mirror reflection of the ship and the floor. So it's like okay, you've got the ship on the top or like on the foreground and then mirrored right below it is like, you know, the ship, but slightly shimmery, uh, ghosty looking. So I know I'm, I'm pretty sure I know the pictures you're talking about yeah. when you talk about seeing the triumph in the 2015 game. Yeah. Or just so game. I guess that means I'll just have to, I guess that means I'll just have to, um, uh, uh, convert that over into a video report. Sooner rather than later, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to see. Um, yeah, so now that we've talked about the best ones, we can talk about the worst campaign games we've played, or like our least favorites. So, Oof. according to my huge game legacy thread, I've got CG2 on there. Um, for me, not a lot of combat, the ocean shape. It was essentially square, but it looks rectangular. It was kind of tall in a weird way. I didn't really like it, so... Um, and I did that because there were four factions, not five or six or more. 
Um, and then there were a lot, a lot yeah, of yeah, we And then one of the players dropped out early, and then Kaz didn't really want to finish it, kind of understandably, but still, it just uh, it didn't really work out properly. So I was really happy to win with the English, my favorite faction. But anyway, and then it says under worst CG with a question mark, it says dishonorable mention to second 2,500 pointer for being somewhat lame and boring. So those would be <laughs> the least one, my least favorite. Um, and then, and yeah, some of, some of the results of yours, I dispute not the gameplay, but at least not much of the gameplay, but some of the results, um, for yours, I seem to have a beef with often, but oh, well, what's your least favorite? <laughs> uh, Hands down, it's the winter economy game that I tried to play. Yeah. <laughs> that, and not for uh, gameplay reasons, yeah. Yeah. but for out-game drama that happened between the four of us. Okay. So that was like, uh, we were all a little younger, slightly less mature. Shouting happened. End of story. <laughs> I'll leave it there. So that's like the reason I have like, mm, let's not go back to that. Yeah. That's actually one of my uh, favorites of yours um, in terms of gameplay, but then the ending, like, not completely ruined it, but it was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not it's like Spanish. when you, like, are eagerly waiting, yeah? I was like, not the Spanish, not the passive new player who just saved the whole game and didn't fire a shot, please, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he shot at, like, three of my English ships at the very end of it, I think. Yeah. Okay. I think he, like, you know... I don't know what he did. He found a way, I think, to get Carbon Charlie on one of his English ships somehow. I mean, on one Spanish. of his Spanish yeah. ships somehow. Huh. It was, I don't know. That sounds hard. There's some weird <laughs> stuff that went down that game. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, you're like, you're a, uh, oh, please God, no. It was like, you know, when you see like, you know, your favorite book adapted into a movie and you go into it all excited. Yep. And then like, you know, you get to the end and like, no, no don't that's not how it is in the book yeah. that kind of thing was like ah yep uh, and yeah so yeah I, I had a ton of fun making the superlative section at the end of the huge game legacy thread um mostly concerns <laughs> my games because some of the reports were either unavailable or i couldn't remember them enough um but yeah to include some of yours yeah. but i still did in some occasions but some of the the uh, categories just like I made these up like really quickly. So like, I think it was a, I may have started brainstorming my head and then I had to start just typing it out. And it was like, I came up with so many categories uh, based on the stats and like the actual <laughs> gameplay and stuff like that. So some of the funniest ones. Yeah. Most controversial, the pirates in my first 2,500 total point game, um, the curse weren't really in it at the end. So they used Davy Jones to sort of help the pirates win, kind of, I kind of left it open ended as to whether or not it was on purpose. But it first basically okay. helped the pirates win over the Spanish. And like I told, I was telling Piranha about it, or somebody on the podcast. And uh, yeah, the final gold, gold scores for that game were forty-eight to forty-five to forty-three. So if the Spanish had gotten one or both of their Concepcion galleons home, they probably would have won. Uh, so yeah, that one was that one was dramatic. And then, of course, and then it's just likely even more controversial. Yep. Oh, yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, some slightly immature uh, uh, actions coupled with um, some uh, strange, I guess, in, in retrospect, uh, winning conditions made for an interesting final standings. Yeah. That was another interesting one, too, because like CG2, 
I only used four factions for that. Yep. I had cut out the pirates and the cursed completely. But you could still hire the privateers, like, you know, the jades and the corsairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Plus, I also, I think, broke my own rules with that, like, you know, consistently. Like, the Americans, I recall, were like, okay, we don't really have any gold runners. Let's just go get some corsairs. And so they would use the corsairs to run gold and have them dock at their home island, which they weren't supposed to do. And then when they did, it was like, okay, the ship's supposed to go away, but you can bring it back for, you know, the point cost in gold and whatever. But they kept forgetting to do that. And, like, you know, that wasn't just them. I think everyone forgot to do that when they had private two factions. I mean, I forget who had the Bausch one for that game, but, you know, it was a similar thing. It was like, okay, someone had the Bausch one and had it dock at the home island and then had it leave or some other jade ships. And it was um, um like, oops, forgot to um uh, pay the fine, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where I like. That's a tough one because penalties would have to be across all the people, so you can kind of just say whatever and just keep playing. Um, that's where I like to have like steep penalties for like accidental rule breaking. If you remember from Economy Edition, the oh, Americans yeah. hired a submarine. The Americans got like ninety gold. I think it was 60, because it was like, I I don't, I, I can't remember how I calculated it. I, I guess I'll try to look it up. But yeah, and that's one of my favorite quotes from the game that you can see in the HD Legacy. The Americans actually lost money on the fiasco, because they, like, they got the Devil Ray to go to the Lagoon before they yeah. should have been able to. But then they had to pay up. They had to like, oh, I think it was the cost of the Devil Ray and her helmsman, 12 times 5 turns in play for 60 gold. That she only brought back like 30 gold or something like that. Or less, maybe, so... Yep, so I'm not gonna look it up. That's yeah, yeah. That's what it was, so yeah. I think what I did because we couldn't keep track of how many turns we'd had the ships in play. I think what I did was I just like you know find everyone, all right, everyone cough up the current point count of in gold of whatever you've got in play. So I think the English got hit the hardest with that because I think the English had the fully decked out Bauschwan, plus at the time the three other Jade Rebellion ships we had in our fleet. Yeah. <laughs> so it, for a while, the, we had, you know, the Jays were at the Bauschwan and, like, three of the two masters. And that was it. Yep. We didn't have any of the three masters, didn't have any of the six masters, and we had, like, four of the named crew. And I think it uh, was, um, we had um, uh, Ms. Chen with Cheng Pao or whatever, whoever else is on her card, and Kian Ni, and that was it. Hmm. We didn't have um, Shipping Sai didn't have Katsura-chan, didn't have Dragon Eyes, didn't have those guys. Still don't have uh, Warlord Cavendish, uh, but I am, you know, patiently waiting for that to happen. You know, I'll get it one day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and under the superlatives, I noticed, uh, I think that was exactly the same. Let me try to find it again. Oh, yeah, so I think it's most controversial and then closest finish are like the same categories which makes sense oh, yeah. so the same games for those two and then most pathetic i've always found funny um it's americans in cg1 where they were a vassal state to the spanish which was so ironic and like really bizarre <laughs> and like the wordplay on that was funny and then yeah some of my other factions and different games there um and then dishonorable mention to the black mamba who in my 2015 economy game shot 0 for 6 with three ones across two shoot actions to dismaster self without doing any damage to enemies. 
Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. That's one of my least favorite ships in the game. Uh, okay. Uh, Queen of Sheba. Same ability, but better cannons. Yeah. Invariably, every time. It doesn't matter who uses it among us three, whether it's me, JW, or Ginger. Two ones. Every <laughs> single time. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, that happened in the in the uh, Winter Economy game. I mean, I yeah. think because you know the Queen of Sheba's got like four or five cargo pretty five. quick. So uh, J- J- JW was like, all right, cool. So I've got a captain, a helmsman. And that's about all I can afford, so that's what goes on it. Out we go. I feel good. Let's go shoot these guys. One. Well, dang it. Okay, I hope I don't miss the next one. Also gets a one. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It was one of those instances where I think he was like, get me some new dice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not using this one anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'd roll back and just use her as a gold runner. But, yeah, she's one of those neat ships that can be a cheap hybrid so it's it's very tempting but sometimes it backfires so yeah mm-hmm. and then oh man i just love these categories this is the hg legacy is maybe my favorite page on my site to reread over time i think i'm gonna look at it again before i leave so yeah yeah the english had three consecutive wins basically um or four if you include the big death match after the risk game where they were part of the attacking alliance so, so that's the longest win streak. But now we've seen multiple win streaks since then. So the English won CG2 and then CVC 2017. And then specifically in your game, obviously the French and the Cursed um, have a couple win streaks each of two in a row. So yeah, so yeah, pretty fun stuff to think about. And then yeah, the, the yeah the Pirates did really well early on in my games, but then since then not quite as much so they look good in cg4 so far but that's so early it's it's ridiculous so yeah yeah i think cg4 is already it's already gonna break the trend of uh vassal campaign games that actually finish because cg1 and cg2 were both less than a year finished in 2016 cg3 spanned two years but it was really only a six-month game but then cg4 has already been going on for like a year and a half and it's not gonna end for long time <laughs> quite some time yeah that could be that could be a decade game maybe i don't know we'll see what happens in it. <laughs> go yeah. for it yep we'll slowly cycle through all the ships yep man yet oh my god so i just realized something between both of us pirates haven't won a campaign game since 2015 economy edition because they never won any of your game there's been what the pirates haven't won any of any campaign game since 2015 EE. So oh. they've got three wins, but they were all 2011 to 2015 and never in your game. So they have the longest drought yeah. active right now. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Perhaps they'll break it next uh, summer yep. uh, with us. Or you never know. They could, you know, I already think the Pirates and CG4 are a heavy favorite. Yeah. If only because, you know, as you said earlier, they've got the most WizKids stuff. Yep. And then, you know, add in all the custom stuff that you and I plus others have made. It's, you know, looking kind of in their favor. Yeah. What could derail them would be a couple, uh, I guess, long durations of low value resources around them. Yeah. That would force them to go further out for the gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been that I think so would far. be like you know the sure most surefire way to slow them down. 
because I think that the pirates this for CG4 have gotten really lucky. Yeah. Like every single resource change, something close to them has been valuable. Exactly. Except for like, you know, maybe like one resource change where it was like three turns where everything around them was like, you know, low value. But they just like, eh, we'll just shake that off. Yeah. Yeah, they have been lucky, definitely. Yep. And now they've kind of angered the uh, the Vikings and the Corsairs a bit. So I'd love to talk about yeah. it more, but I don't want well, to reveal anything yeah. too much. So Yeah. Yep. With uh with that split home island they've got, they could easily just like, you know, okay, we'll leave you guys alone in the north. Okay, focus everything on the south, and we'll work our way north from there. Uh-huh. Yep. Because I know the CG4 is going to be interesting because it's round earth. Yeah, that's great. I think it's the first campaign that's got round earth. So that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, that's a great... How that, you know... I, I, I just assumed that there's been a physical campaign game with round earth, but now I'm wondering... Well, okay, was Command the Oceans Round Earth? Not technically, no. It wasn't. Ah. So, I mean, I think... Man, I might have to look this up. I think at least one of my 2,500-point games, maybe the second one, was Round Earth, but that wasn't... That was... uh, It wasn't technically, like, a campaign game. It was a huge game, but not, uh, you know, community. So, let me just look that up. I don't know if it'll really have it, but probably... And yeah, this one is interesting. Oh, yep. Yeah, that one did have round earth, but it's kind of borderline. Oh, wow. It's not true campaign, but but yeah. So there's one physical at least that had that. Oh, and then I guess the, I mean obviously the risk game must have, but I don't know that I really used round earth in the risk game. So I might look that up real quick too. But yeah, the risk game was awesome. It was, well, yeah, just, uh, it was a weird one. It's like man, it just feels like so long ago. It almost feels like a lifetime ago. It was seven years, but it feels like in a weird way, it feels like like. Well, that was close to 10 years. years ago, mate. Yeah, kind of. Uh, according to your record here, that was in 2012. Yeah. The so risk seven, game. A little over seven years, but it feels like more, so, yeah. Like, my writing style's a little different, like, there's no pictures. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know that I... It's kind of like that mythic first campaign that I played. Yeah, And I of. think it was sometime in 2011. I could be wrong. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I forget when it happened, yep. uh, that first, like, you know, campaign that I played. Yeah. Uh, I know it was after I discovered mini trading, I think, uh, or I had like, you know, found mini trading if only because I'd found out about Return to Savage Shores mm-hmm. because that was like, you know, the only like, you know, extra thing that we didn't have that I used is like, okay. First come, first serve. Whoever manages to get this guy can have him. And it was more or less... Well, I'm trying to think. I might have done it factionally. Because I was, like, English. I think my... JW was, like, you know, the Americans or something. And then there was, you know, Ginger had a third faction. I forget if it was the pirates or just, you know, ships that he owned. Yeah. But... I remember that I went out of my way to capture, not uh, kill, but capture uh, LeBeau from uh, JW so I could use him. Nice. Because I think I was, like I said, I was English and he was American. So I think I successfully managed to get him away from the home island or something. I don't know. Details about this game are sketchy at best. Well, that's... That's exactly, like, my 
2011 game before I wrote the Bauer Report in November 2014, when I remembered it better than I would have now. So actually, that's actually one thing you could kind of repeat from something that I did, where I had kind of a mythical game from 2011 where I had a few small reports on Pojo, where I first started posting in the community. And then it was a little over three years later and five years ago now that I posted, um, or I, or I, I, well, I didn't finish the report, but I kind of, I filled it out basically. So that's actually something that you could do that game if you wanted. And you could actually ask your brothers about it to fill in details and stuff. Like I don't that. know if they'll remember. Yeah. Well, I you mean, can still ask that. Uh, Ginger was like, I think less than 10 years old when I played this. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. I mean, I barely remember playing it. Yeah. Uh, but I think what made it interesting was um, I set it up and played it through to completion within a day. Oh my God. It was like, or like, you know, two days. Huh. The entire game was two days. Cause for like, you know, a Friday and a Saturday or a Saturday and a Sunday, like a weekend. I, what this was, um, like I said, that's a, that's how few ships we had, um, at the time. And B, I think that's, uh, just how quickly we managed to, um, uh, either cycle through the ships or I just let certain things slide because my brothers were both younger and couldn't quite understand what I was trying to do, but yeah. understood enough to play along with me. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I think writing up my Camille of game from 2011, um, was actually one of my favorite experiences with pirate CSG. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was I've so thought about doing up. something like this year, like here. Yeah, like when you exactly. made the uh, the recreations for the harbor stuff, I'm like, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Can I, I tried would... to do this, and I made like you know, I got like you know a bunch of like you know spare cards out. I think like you know the two of threes and the three of three uh, type things. And I was like, yeah. yeah, okay. I arranged it out on a table. Like, okay, if I do it this way and this way and this way, and then I was like, oh yeah, that I want it like you know this way. But then I looked at it and went, that's really big. Yeah. I can't crazy. fit more than one of these onto a table. Yeah, it's wild. And I had already made the decision uh, then to where I w I'm not going to go back onto the floor because I, even though we're all older now, I still do not want to risk stepping on ships. Exactly. Because, you know, I don't have uh, carpeting. I've got, you know, hardwood floor. Yep. More or less throughout my entire house. Yeah, the hardwood like, crazy. I, mean, I hate it. Yeah. For that game, um, I played with my whole like bedroom basically, which was even more space. That I mean, Century of the Empires wasn't even that whole room. It was maybe 50, 60 percent of the floor space in that room. So, so that twenty eleven game was super unique. Um, I would love to do Harbors again, but it's it's the case where you need like a huge amount of table space. I want to have like tables that roll, yeah. so that you can. Oh, this is a great idea with blocking wheels. So then. You can, oh, the uh, casters. Yeah, exactly. So then, okay. Um, so then you could roll the tables together, but then you could separate ah. them and bend all the way over a table and reach and stuff. So that's actually that's an interesting one. I'll have to make a note about that. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The other thing I've thought about is, I don't know if you've ever done this, um, and I, I certainly haven't, but playing pirates on a round table. I've thought about it because there's custom tables like that. Um, I've seen a few pictures that are really beautiful. Um, and I actually had, oh my God, this gets way back. Oh man. We had, I don't want to go off topic really, but we had 
I don't know. I guess it might be gone now. We had like a round table, like wooden. It's not, it's probably only as wide as a card table, but it's a little bit less space because it doesn't have the corners. But, but it's only, the problem is it's only like a foot or a foot and a half off the ground. So you still have to, like sitting in a folding oh, chair, so be like, it's still really low. So that was actually in my room when I cleaned up my room a lot. Um, I want to say in 2011 for preparation for the 2011 cumulative game. Because I cleaned out a ton of space in my room to play that game that doesn't have any pictures from it. Um, but yeah, I think some of my, a lot, most of my historical fantasy scenarios from like early 2011 and maybe even 2010, if I was playing those then, that table was there. And it was cool because it had like, it was mostly empty underneath. It didn't have, um, you could basically go underneath and then there was like this part in the middle that connected the three legs. It had three legs instead of four, I think. And then, so ships okay. would go underneath this overhang. I didn't really think of it as a cape, but like, I think Ooh. I had some harbors in there. So yeah, it was an interesting feature in my room for a while, but uh, yeah. But yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. Cause I, I thought you had another round table though, uh, a different one, unless it was the same one. Because some so. of the, like, you know, the non-campaign games that I saw battle reports for in mini trading, huh. like the one where you had like two tables, I think that, you know, just barely connected to make like, you know, a little like, you know, stretch where you could sail across like an ocean bridge. One I mean, of them I... was round, I think, to help, you know, facilitate that. Not that I remember. I'm trying to think about like college games where I'm not located anymore, but I don't think, I mean, at college it was all square. Um, the bottleneck game from this year was like, I, I kind of forced that with like terrain rather than tables. I still want to do it with tables, like card tables that form like a, almost like two diamonds lined up with like the edges touching barely. Um, but I don't think so. I don't know. Oh, it might've uh, been the, um, the, the second ocean one. Huh? Where you had the home the other, oh! one ocean and then you had whirlpools that led to another one. Yeah. The other worlds game. And both tables know. were kind of small. Yeah. Yeah, the home, the home I think this is before was you got, like, you know, uh, you either had, like, you know, only one piece of blue fabric yep. or something like that, or you didn't have the blue fabric stuff yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I, I don't remember, but yeah. Because I could have sworn that you played, like, you know, just a regular game um, on with that had a round table on it. Interesting. It wasn't like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the 12 fleet game. I remember that with, like, you know, the four or five best fleets at the time. Yeah, that was on the carpet. Yeah, yeah, that's on the ground. Yeah, I'm gonna look at the other worlds. I just searched them on my site. So I'm just gonna pop them up real quick. The reports, but I think the small, short table is still like square or rectangular. But I'll just peek at it. So, yeah, because the the tables at college were just basic wooden tables, mostly square, and that's what I'm seeing now. Yeah, at least so far. Yeah, even the first Other Worlds game looks like it's all square, I'm pretty sure. So, mm. yeah. Well, I could have... Maybe there's another well, I game. I could be I'm misremembering. Not, I'm just not thinking of it. Maybe a different player, too. I don't know. But, yeah. Anyway, I like the idea of casters for uh, future games with a lot of table space. Yeah. I think that's a really solid solid plan. Might help us... Yeah. Well, uh, the other thing, uh, this is why I brought up uh, the round table, but you get a really big round table... But it has like you know a hole in it. Yeah. So you know you can like you know go underneath and pop up in the middle and just like you know, it's just wide enough to where you don't have to like you know, really excessively reach. 
uh, to get the stuff that's on the far uh, outside of the ring. Uh, but it's also like you know large enough to where you could have a decently sized campaign uh, played on this thing. Yeah, I've thought or about that. Or at the very much. least, a very interesting game of pirates. Yeah, that's actually you yeah. know harkening back to uh, I think the scenario. I think it was Cadet Captain Mike that might have done it first, but like you know, all right, if you got a round table, let's have a race. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I thought about that idea too. The the hole in the table. I just wouldn't want to have to crawl under it a bunch. So I think that would get annoying. And you might, that's, I had to go underneath the Caribbean table for Command the Oceans to grab stuff once in a while, or I had, I think at one point I had deck plates off to my left in the same room right here, where they were almost under the table, but not quite, and I was always afraid of, like, bumping into the leg and, like, knocking stuff over, so, yeah, yeah. I'd want to have, like, a solid table or something. What if you had... In some of the shots uh, from this year and last year, um... Uh, I think that the ones were uh, I'm with the sun behind my back, so I'm looking east, like where the Spanish were. There is a um, uh, a dark uh, table, like a, I think it's black with like you know dings in it because it's old. Uh, but there's a table like a uh, back there where they had all of their deck plates, mm-hmm. like all of them were just right there. Yep. Uh, it's visible in a couple shots. Let me see if I can um, uh, find one real quick. Yeah, I feel like... Because I think you might have been able to see them uh, even in the finale. Yeah, I think a few in the background, like not the whole table, but yeah. But yeah, just getting back to the the round table, if you had a hole in the center, what if you had, like, the ocean, you could put your hand on it and slide it in a circle and rotate the ocean to, like... Oh, so like a really big Lazy Susan. Yeah, or like, well, sort of, but like, maybe you could have a chair in the middle and like a decent spot in the middle where you wouldn't have to stand up and then you could actually just uh place your fingers where ships weren't on the ocean and then like move and then the whole ocean would be circular and it would slide around kind of like the i mean this is like the the stratosphere in las vegas up high in the restaurant or like niagara falls has the tower where you can you rotate around it so yeah that would be wild i think i get what you're saying um like, the I ocean would be, like, one big circular um, sheet, and then you could, like, get slided around the... And it wouldn't make... It wouldn't really be that beneficial, but if you just had... You know, you could you could do the same type of thing with a, a chair that could rotate where the ocean was static, but then the chair you would swivel around, so... Which would be easier, but, I don't know, just, like, the idea of a moving ocean would be hilarious, so... <laughs> so, that got me thinking about something else, so... I, uh, I think I know what you're talking about with um, uh, the moving ocean, but I thought of something slightly different. Yeah. Um, similar vein, uh, but do you remember, uh, I think it was, it might have been God Mason who first posted them, but uh, tables that have like, you know, a glass top. Okay. Yep. So you, <clears throat> excuse me, you get a table with a glass top, you know, round, and the top of that table is stationary, but the bottom under it, it's like you could um, um open it up to like you know put islands in and sandwich them between like you know two layers of glass. Yeah. And the bottom layer you could unsandwich and rotate it, and then you could sandwich it back together. So you could say like you know um, certain thing happens and you know just the entire world changes. So where the ships are on the very top layer of glass, but the islands and terrain are on the second layer, which comes um, opens up, and then you can spin it around. And then put everything back together. So now everything is in the same place, but not. 
So the wow. ships haven't moved, but the stuff underneath them has. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that reminds me I have... Up that would take some uh, serious engineering, I think, to create. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of a thread I posted um, in July of this year on Pirates with Ben, a layered game table where you have, like, reefs on the bottom. Oh, yeah. Sargassos and icebergs, so... Which is, of course, a forum topic. I'll just post it in the live uh, thing on YouTube, the chat thing. But, yeah, going back to the circular thing and even the 2011 game, um, the Century of the Empires game... If you remember from the pictures, oops, um, in that game, I basically set up the ocean in a circle with nothing, nothing could sail in the middle because that's where I sat. And then I would just rotate around oh. to play Century of the Empires 2013. So, yeah. All right, kinda, yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing not like have more space because I wanted somewhere to sit, but it, w- it was worth it for convenience because then I didn't have to step over as much when I was walking through the room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was just easier to play, so. Yeah, sit cross-legged here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, you know, twist and turn. It's like, okay, yep. cursed move over here, and then twist back the other way, and now the English move over there, all that yep. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, I'll probably wrap it up soon. I just, I never get sick of looking at the superlatives. Um, <laughs> and I'll have to update them over time. And, of course, like I've already said, you can add your own in the comment that I can add. Um, oh yeah, I can those. add now. Uh, I couldn't before, but yeah, I can. Yeah, add now. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, most fragile goes to the French because it says worst average finish in last fleet afloat game, with the exception of other, which doesn't uh. really matter much. So, most durable English best average finish in last fleet afloat games. The poorest uh, they're actually the Spanish worst average finish in most total points game, and then <laughs> greedier rich are the pirates, which is perfect. Best average finish in most gold games. Yep. Most yep. wild, chaotic faction cursed in CG1. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. CG1, they were kind of all over the place. Yep. Most imperial faction, English in general, but also Spanish in CG1, Americans in Century of the Empires. Yeah, the Americans in Century of the Empires, they didn't do super well, but they almost got four like colonies or whatever at one point. And then the Americans in CG3, of course. Yeah, best year English in 2012, essentially winning all three huge games, counting the defense of St. Helens death match. And then, and then, yeah, at the end it says kind of the French in 2016, one, la- one two, less than the other two, which we talked about. So, you know. yep. And Pirates in 2011 won both. Worst year, 2014, no CGs. Yep. I hadn't uh, gotten to playing them yet. And then worst year so dishonorable. Uh, huh? Oh no, just to finish up worst year it says dishonorable mention of the Spanish in twenty twelve. Fourth out of five in both major CGs and on the losing end of the alliance at the defense of St. Helens death match. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in terms of revenge. It's weird because Yeah, yeah you go. <laughs> the Spanish outside of campaign games, if you do it right, they're one of the most dominant factions you can pick. I mean, them, the pirates, and the English are kind of like, you know, the original uh, Trinity. So those three tend to have a lot of very good things. Like, you know, some of the best gold runners are pirate and Spanish. Uh, Some of the best gunships are like, you know, Spanish, English, and sometimes pirate. Uh, But in campaigns where now you've got not only do you need quality, but you also need quantity. Yeah. It kind of evens out a little bit. Yeah, and the French have great quantity 
of both types of ships. Oh, yeah. Still not my favorite faction to play. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I will acknowledge that they are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I think um, it was JW really wants um, to see his custom Premier Republic used again because he just loves that ship. Uh-huh. A combination of your uh, least favorite ability and S immunity with his Man of War, which is uh, it's a gunship only keyword. Uh, his, uh, uh, I don't know if he's shared his sets yet. Because huh. unlike me, uh, he makes his on Google Docs and stuff. Yeah. But he uses, like, you know, Google Docs instead of the spreadsheet because, you know, you know has formatting stuff that he does. But I don't know if he's shared them. I gotta talk to him about that. I don't think in full form. You could piece most of Dark Tides together from forum posts, but I don't... He hasn't come out with a spreadsheet for a full set yet, I don't think. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I, um, he's not. He doesn't like spreadsheets. He likes okay. the Google Doc. Yeah. So I don't know if he's shared that. Not that I mean, I, uh, the one I, that uh, I'm. Yeah. I don't think that that I've seen. No. Mm, I'll have to talk to him about that then. Yeah. Yeah. If, because he's got like you know, he's got like two finished. Yeah. Uh, Dark Tides and Seas of Doom are both completely finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one that he's working on now is Eldest Seas. Yeah, that sounds Or right. something like that. Yep. I don't know. I'll, yeah. I'll check him. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask him later. Yeah. And then for most satisfying story, it's kind of a lot like Best Revenge, because Spanish almost won two of my earlier games, and then and then in CG1, they finally had that huge breakthrough win, um, which I guess is still... Their only, yeah, that's still their only win. So they haven't won since then either. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah the Spanish got action. close. In 2018, the Spanish got close to second. Yeah. But literally, the Pirates home island raided them like on their, like three turns from the end. And the Pirates made off with a thousand plus gold mm-hmm. in 2018, like at the end. Wow. That sent the Spanish into fifth place. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Or something. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and then I think it's interesting that the Vassal games arguably have more parity or fairness because there's the map doesn't get like, you know, altered as much theoretically. And then there's not as many real life elements that affect the game, like somebody leaving or, well, that still happened in one of the games, but in CG2. But anyway, and then there's not as many, there's not the time constraint that can kind of complicate, what's the word? Not complicate, but compromise the rules of it. So, yeah. And then I said least fair 2011 CG. That one was bizarre because the harbor locations were too far from some of the islands. And then the English and I think the French maybe had to sail farther to get to any islands. So they were kind of off in like these corners that were more distant. So, yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, my one caveat or uh, whatever it is to the um, first uh, one I played in 2015. Really big map. But not a whole lot of islands. So a lot of time sailing back and forth. Where I was like, okay, I moved every ship and all my fast ships are still like, you know, a turn or two away from where the gold is. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, uh, 
Oh yeah, so one one interesting stat, largest single turn launching, it says English Battlefleet and CG1 with 628 goals, but you may have broken that maybe? I can't remember oh, exactly. It might be. I kinda... have no idea. Okay. Um, I have a bad habit of like, you know, not actually writing down yeah. what I'm going to launch for what factions. Um, JW did this for the first time this year where he kept like, you know, accurate track. Okay. On this day, the English launched XYZ. Mm -hmm. And on this day, or that same day, the English had XYZ sunk. Mm -hmm. So I could ask him uh, if he ever had something um, uh, that exceeded 628 gold for either one of his factions. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the English this year had a plan where they were going to launch like almost 900 points of stuff but they only had like 300 gold. So they had to go and steal some from the French. That's why the, the lady provost um, home out rated the French anyways, because the French for a while had a thousand plus, they had a penny, but then the, I think the French spent some to combat the English and the English managed. I'm not sure how with only one ship, uh, they managed to like steal, I think, two to three hundred off the French home island and get a good chunk, like, you know, the most important things that they wanted to launch, launched. Yeah. That's so, a crazy amount. I'll ask him about that. If anything that, that he launched uh, this last year exceeded 628. Wow. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I think even when the pirates raided the Franco-Spanish in Economy Edition, I don't think they came away with more than, like, 100 and 150 gold. So that's a crazy amount. It's really impressive. Um, that's probably a result of like, you know, extra coin. factions hoarding. Yeah. Yeah. And then and the play styles, uh, majorly different between you and I. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to wrap things up, we can talk about you know, the future CGs are on hold. So CG four is kind of in limbo. We've been playing a little bit this year. Um, it's not really officially on hiatus, but it's going to be slow pace is going to continue. The Caribbean game and world games are, of course, on hiatus. Um, and then, but looking to the future, the positives are that CG5 could start um, between you and others if you want to on Vassal. And then, of course, next year's uh, CEC should be interesting. So, anybody uh, yeah. looking Five years. That? Yeah, that's awesome. Five years. Yeah. Um, the rough plan right now is that uh, we're going to repeat the same factions we had then. So I would basically just repeat this year again, Pirates and Americans again. Yep. Uh, JW would keep the French, but would gain control of the Spanish. And Ginger would hold on to the cursed, but now gain control of the English. Nice. So that's the plan for now. We might change it because I don't really want us to, like, you know, repeat the same fractions every single year or, like, more than two years in a row because it sometimes gets a little, or a little tiring as I... Okay, I'm them again. Because, yeah. uh, like, the first two times we did uh, the summer games, the annual games, like, I was, or, like, the f next two, the 16 and 17, I was England back-to-back. -back. Yeah. And back-to-back, -back, I got, like, you know, second or third in those games, if or if not, you know, outright winning. Like, you know, getting the top spot. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, eh, maybe, guys, maybe. We'll see what happens. You know, there's still a, like you know a lot of like real time between now and then. Exactly. You know, I'm trying to like find a job and all that other stuff. Um, 
JW is going to community college, he might take off and go to a four-year soon. And Ginger is midway through high school, so who knows? Yeah. Things can happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Any other campaign game memories you want to talk about or stuff like that? Uh, from this year? Oh. <laughs> or any year. Well, any year. Like, I think some of my favorite moments from the um, um, the um, Spanish and American War was for whatever reason, for like two actions or two turns, the speedy return was the MVP of the battle fleet. I basically sailed that double catamaran in there to be a block ship, to block lines of fire and to be a meat shield because of like, okay, I figured, okay, catamaran will protect it. Plus the house rules, it's three masted. It's kind of large. Physically, it takes up a lot of space. Cannons aren't so good, but who cares? It's just there to get shot at and tank fire. What wound up happening was it just wound up positioned to where it could like, you know, plug away or plink away at like, you know, ships within range. And I think I got a perfect shoot action with it. I rolled like, you know, a five, a five, and a six and hit a ship three times with a speedy return without a captain on it. Oh it God. only had a helmsman. Wow. So it was just in position to shoot. And the Spanish could not, for like five turns, get rid of it. They were like, okay, I want to sink this. But we can't because we keep missing uh, the other um that also goes to the Pawtucket, which I think had a captain, a helmsman, and a musketeer. Uh, to like just so it had four shots even. Maximum damage could eliminate two masts. Uh, this was toward the end when it became a little bit obvious, or it was becoming obvious that the Americans were losing. Uh, but the Pawtucket would uh, was kind of holding the line for a while off the coast of um, uh, the shipwreck pathway. And was just, you know, being annoying. Because the Spanish would shoot at it and miss. And then it would come back and through a combination of shooting and ramming would eliminate at least two masts or damage enough, do enough damage to the ship that attacked it to where it couldn't then be damaged return. So uh, Spanish moral victories was sinking the speedy return and sinking the Pawtucket. And then on the flip side, the Americans turned it on them when... Uh, the USS Spirit, um, clipper ship, I think all, again, all rank four cannons. And it was, I think it, I had given it a captain at this point because it was like, okay, last ditch, convert the gold runners into, into fighters. We're in trouble. And with the fleet action, I managed to sink the Santissimo, uh, which the Spanish had added like, you know, an additional 10 cannons to. Yeah. And they were like crazy. really bad. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. I think that was the most. I enjoyed that. That was maybe the most shocking moment of the game for me. Yeah, was when the ST went down like yeah. that in that fashion. Yeah. That was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really happy when that happened. Like you know, and the moment goes like, "Yay, a victory! I'm getting my ass kicked, but hey, here's some back at you." Yeah. And then of course, after that is pretty much the Americans got steamrolled. Yeah, because the pirates fell on them like a sledgehammer, and the and the Spanish were like, "All right, we were going to leave you alone, but you sank our ship. Come back here and die, or something like that." Yeah, it's kind of like the the French fighting the Spanish in CG one, at least to a degree. And yeah, talking about the Pawtucket speedy return, <laughs> that reminds me of the the Augusta. One was was one of the most valuable ships, MVSs of the Spanish fleet in that game, and that was a weird one. 
because she doesn't have very good cannons, and she was a really good gunship for them, so that was bizarre, too. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you can add that to your list of hero ships. I think I have a ton of that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun yep. to keep track of stuff like that over the years. San Esteban, yeah, she was amazing in oh, yeah. ammunition. Or, yeah, and then I think I think I was reading CD1BR just recently, Battle Report, and I think she did well in that game, too. So I think she had a couple years in a row where she was really lucky. So that one's like a weird Spanish Yay. hero ship as well. So, yep. <laughs> All <Yeah>. right. Yes. <laughs> yep. Probably going to wrap it up. Speak so, yeah, speaking of overcoming now future stuff. Yep. I am thinking that my uh, ambitions for the Savage Seas project are a wee bit much for what I currently am capable of doing. So even though I don't really want to, I might just, you know, say, okay, I want to get this done or I want to have this out there before just so I can have it out there so I can have something to look forward to or to look back on. So I might just start making regular reports uh, for that, but I'm still up in the air about that, about the Savage Seas project. Okay. Yeah, that'd be fun. Rather than releasing all at once in the future, you mean? Um, well, my idea was, uh, the original idea for Savage Seas was I wanted to have, like, you know, a web series, kind of, yeah. where uh, I would, like, you know, have some sound effects put in, some music put in. Uh, between my brothers and I, we can make our voices different enough to where we could become different characters. You would have, like, you know, character dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Victor de Alva talking to his father, Louise, or his son, Sebastian. Like, you know, I could, like, you know, yeah, this is uh, Victor, or whatever. And then his Sebastian would sound different. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'll be able to uh, do that with what I've got. And I don't want to just, you know, sit on it forever and go, you know, one day I'll get it done. One day I'll get it done. One day I'll get it done. So... In that guess, in that uh, sense, I'm a little impatient for it, but I also want to get it out there uh, because in some cool stuff has happened in that game. Nice, because you know that's you know a campaign uh, sort of, but it's really I think it's fundamentally different than any campaign that's been done before. Yeah, at least as far as I know, of recorded campaigns, it's different than I think. Um, well, it's okay. It's similar to CTO. But not quite. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I remember you saying stuff about that. So, yeah, that sounds exciting. Very nice. Yeah. Awesome. That's like something I want to do, but I'm not sure. Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, we look forward to hearing about it either way. So, if anybody uh, listening is interested in playing campaign games, I've got um a guide to huge games up on my website that you can search for or find pretty easily the huge game legacy thread and the battle reports compendium are both located in the best post widget that's on a lot of the on the sidebar for a lot of the pages not all the pages of course but so a lot of great games you can read about pretty easily and uh and yeah obviously some more games coming soon especially on Derek's end hopefully. So thanks again for listening. Uh, this was Pirate CSG podcast number 48. And I almost forgot question of the day. And now I'm remembering because <laughs> I forgot to do that in the creeps podcast uh, last night. So, so I made one before the podcast. And my question of the day is if you, the listener have read more than one entire campaign game battle report, which campaign game is your favorite and why? 
And of course, Eric's going to ask one if he'd like. Um, so yeah, so if you've read more than one game, because if you only read, like, you know, Comedy Edition, that would be your favorite. But if you've read EE, CTO, and Xerix's, you know, 2019 game, you've seen that one, you could you could pick a favorite if you wanted to, and the reasons why. I'd be interested to hear about it. I know a lot of people probably haven't read any, uh, let alone multiple, but, you know, just want to put it out there. So. I have read them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we both read each other's. Sometimes <laughs> Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. you have a question of the day or no? Uh, I don't have a question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> Sorry. all good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yep, so that ends the podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'm hoping to do at least one more podcast uh, before the end of the year. I want to try to figure out how to do a call-in podcast, but if I do, I'll, you know, advertise it. So thanks for listening. 